I personally have found that the body has the answers. Hello, and welcome to Reclaim Your Radiance, a podcast where we discuss the most intimate parts of the human experience. Let's take a deep dive into self-love, sexual pleasure, and absolutely everything in between. I'm your host, Chris Hall, and each week we will be joined by one fabulous friend, and sometimes that friend will just be me, to talk about how we can all become our most radiant selves. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Today, we are joined by Livin, who has indicated that they would like to be introduced as a cisgendered female with the pronouns she, her. She is a 22-year-old Filipina who identifies as straight and lives in Vancouver, Canada. I reached out to Livin, who graciously agreed to be on today's episode because she has the most beautiful soul and the most articulate way of expressing her views. She's also recently started a couple of creative endeavors that you will soon hear about that I find to not only be fascinating in their creation, but pure and beautiful in their intent as well. I am so excited for you to meet her. Let's get into it. So, hey, how's it going? It's going good. I'm very happy to be here. How are you? Me too. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy that you could spend the time to talk to me. I absolutely love hearing your perspectives. Oh yeah, it's a pleasure. I think that what your podcast is all about is really powerful and it's something that really resonates with me and my journey right now. Think I was telling you earlier, but I'll say it again that for the past two years, I've realized a lot of events that have happened have brought me closer to understanding the power of stepping into my sexuality and embracing it. And coming to the end of this year and stepping into the new year, I'm becoming more clear about how my sexuality has affected my relationships with other people and also my relationship with myself. And so, again, I really find that your podcast is something that can really speak to many people because I know that I'm not the only one who's going through this. And I'm just super, super stoked and honored to be on this. So thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. It means a lot. And I am so excited to dive into everything you just said and unpack it later on on today's episode. So with that being said, I'd love to start with your childhood. You grew up in LA, right? Grew up in LA um, and I've been in Canada for 10 years. Yeah, it feels like yesterday that we just moved here, but there's definitely been so much that Vancouver has had to offer for me and my family. And I think, yeah, I love Vancouver. Vancouver is an amazing place. Yeah. Very progressive, I'd say. (laughs) oh yeah definitely progressive there's Mm -hmm. it's so lovely walking down the street and just seeing everybody with their wild personalities just out Mm -hmm. loud and proud yeah especially in like commercial drive area I don't know if you have ever like walked down and observed like the funky outfits and it's definitely a different energy in different parts of Vancouver oh yeah whenever you just need like a just flush over yourself with like different personalities and and lots of lovely expression just to walk down commercial drive will just reset you mm-hmm. yeah yeah how does it compare to LA then mm, that's a good question I always get asked that and I think that I was at an age where I didn't have 
much independence to actually explore LA myself, um, meaning like the communities, uh, the environment, all of that. And so it's hard to really say having that independence in Vancouver to really explore all of that, what the difference is. And whenever people ask me, it's always like very surface level where it, I say, oh, it's hotter in, in LA than it is in Vancouver. No, duh, it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd say I, I think I would really have loved to be a little bit older when we moved here so that I can really sort of share that, you know, difference and experience that drastic difference, perhaps between the two cities, mm-hmm, two places. Mm. Yeah. So what was your life like growing up? I, I don't actually think I've, I've ever really talked to you about your yeah. life growing up. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> and well, my question for you is, is there anything specific around Excellent point. Yes, that is a very broad question. Uh, No, it's a great question, but I want to make sure that I also share the parts that resonates most with what you're asking. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious about what the views were about, you know, spending energy and time on yourself and investing in yourself, in your, your confidence and your body image and all those things what messages about those items of life were delivered to you from a young age and how did they show up? Mm, Okay. I'd say I had a fairly conservative upbringing, both my parents, uh, again, from the, I'm from the Philippines, I'm Filipina and they're from the Philippines. And I think they have a more conservative view. And so they, they often ingrained in us that it was important to, be a little more reserved and be more like sacred around our bodies and also to be very traditional in our approach with relationships. And so I could see how that's impacted my approach later on in life. And I'd say that's a gist of the upbringing, you know, I came around. But I also feel that my parents were quite young when they got married and had kids and they didn't have maybe the time to really be independent and heal from the traumas that they had growing up. And so that I observed had carried on later as they had kids and there was a lot of projecting of those traumas. And I see how trauma can be really heavy and also very affect it can affect us so much in how we view the world and how we connect with people and how we connect with ourselves and I think their embodiment as parents and embodiment as individuals was really I'd say hard to not hard to but hmm trying to put this into words thank you for your patience but I'd say that the way that we learn is through how people embody themselves, right? And I think that they did their very best to be good role models, but the embodiment wasn't there. So therefore, it was very easy to take on what we were just observing. 
which wasn't healthy and their relationship with one another wasn't healthy. Their relationship with themselves wasn't healthy. And so therefore I feel that's what I largely observed, but I know that they had the best intentions and I know that they did the best with what they had, but I can see where it all stems from and can also come in with compassion, but also understand that that compassion also comes with an agreement with myself to make sure that I embody the you know, person that I want to be and the things that I don't want to be observing them. So, yeah. Wow. Thank you. That was such an incredible like view into how you grew up and who you grew up with. And it's, it's really incredible mm-hmm. to see people really taking in those messages and those things that they've learned uh, and people who have like paid attention to what their parents were going through and how they expressed themselves and mm-hmm. and what that meant for them. I love that, that it's not just, yeah. oh, these were my parents. It's, this is what I can learn from them. This is what I now know mm-hmm. I need to heal from their le- mm-hmm. learn experience. Yeah. And I'm sure that you've had maybe a similar experience as well, like learning from your parents and also coming in with compassion because a uh, really touching thing that you've done was ask me to write letters for your mom and I think that's very compassionate of you to understand that like she's going through some loneliness or some struggles whatever it may be and that you'd like to offer some sort of comfort or support for her and that was really touching I saw that and I was like wow yeah I mean, that's the best Christmas gift I can give my mom is a monthly letter oh. written by you every month. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And for all of you who are confused why my friend is writing to my mother, we'll explain oh. this later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but yeah, no, I got a really unique experience growing up of kind of mm. seeing my parents both individually because they got mm. divorced when I was around 10. And then once I was 16, I was in the house alone with both of them, mm-hmm. like each in their own individual homes. Um, okay. Yeah. And so it was, it was just the two of us in both senses, right? It was one week with my dad, one week with my mom. And so there was this constant cycle of kind mm-hmm. of comparing how they live their lives and taking in the pieces that I wanted for myself and kind of mm-hmm. deciding not to pick up the pieces I didn't want. Wow. That's, I find really powerful that you were able to identify like this is something that I don't want to take in for myself and this is something I do. Um, I'm curious because I think there's a difference there in our upbringing where your parents um, decided to get a divorce where my parents decided to stay together and I saw that unhealthy dynamic and also I just found from what I I learned was don't stay together. despite even having kids for the kids. And I wonder how that experience is for you or was for you growing up with parents who did decide to put themselves first and get a divorce. And if you felt that was the best decision as a kid. Yeah, I. it's really funny that everybody thinks that you're going to pick up what your parents gave you, right? In terms of like, oh, they got divorced, so you don't believe in marriage, do you? Right. I actually had somebody ask me that later in life. They <laughs> fully thought that I didn't believe in marriage because how could I if my parents got divorced? And I was like, that mm-hmm. that relationship didn't fail. It just ended. Right. Mm-hmm. There's such a right. distinction between that. Right. Mm-hmm. It it can't have failed. You had children. 
you had me, like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy that that happened. (laughs) Even if, Mm -hmm. you know, my parents were probably not the right people for each other. Those choices were made and that love was had and it resulted in two new human beings. Mm -hmm. And so I actually, I guess it is that I, I learned to see that they're choosing themselves, but ultimately, yeah, it just taught me to, to live life for yourself and that, you know, we were fine as kids. We were absolutely fine with our parents, Mm. the way that, the way that they chose to live their lives after a certain point and that they Mm. couldn't live them together. And Mm. yeah, it just kind of taught me to do what's best and right for me. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's maybe a little something that you've taken away that you can really say, yeah, I, I can find this useful for myself. Um, But of course, there there are other things that you were like, okay, don't want to take that away. (laughs) Yes. And I won't get into them. But yes, there were definitely things that I saw of my parents' lives Mm -hmm. that I went, okay, that that's what works for you. That's what you're doing. I'm going to not do that. Or, you know, there's also the (laughs) the intense correct of like, I'm going to do the opposite of that. Right. There's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to rebellious. Yes. The rebellion (laughs) against the parents. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So how old were your parents when they had you then? Because you're now 22 and you're kind of, you're talking from such a mature lens of looking at them as if like they haven't had this chance to heal yet and that they Mm. hadn't really had time by themselves. Yeah, I think I'm just connecting with that through my observation of seeing people around me who've gone through their 20s and also being in my 20s, I think understanding that you're not fully developed, even though society says you should be a certain way at like 24, 25 or whatever. And knowing this, I can see for them having gotten married, I think at 20 something, early 20s, 21, 22 maybe. Mm -hmm. And then having a kid at 24, maybe that is traditionally old or (laughs) maybe that's normal but this also just makes me so grateful to be living in this time where you know a lot of people are delaying that marriage and delaying that having a kid you know and really taking the 20s or whatever age to spend time inward or outward or whatever they choose to for themselves and yeah I think that's a contributing factor to how things came about in their parenting and in their relationship uh, was just that time that they didn't have for themselves. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a good choice to, to really get to know yourself first. And I mean, now that we've just had generations upon generations of ancestral trauma that everyone is now discovering is so real and so able Mm -hmm. to be unpacked right and able to be healed Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely I think that's why it's so important to do the work you know do that inner work because I think people are when they come into this world they're already going to be dealing with the traumas of the external world around them and it's already a lot to, to take on someone else's trauma and not even experiencing the trauma that that person had firsthand is like another thing because you're like, how do I identify? How do I label this? How do I? And you need to do that in order to fix or 
to work on something. And so it becomes another layer of trying to figure out how to deal with someone else's trauma on top of your own and on top of like the world's um, trauma. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I don't think I fully accepted that that was something that all of us need to heal until probably mm-hmm. this year. And then mm-hmm. it, it finally, I was doing some personal work and it, it really just dawned on me how much I had taken on and how much was so invisible and so like in there. And then I, mm. I read this fascinating story lately about how there was this woman whose ancestors were part of the potato, was it potato famine? It was the famine, Irish potato famine. Mm. Is that it? Is that the name of that? But it was right. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, so her family went through a, a famine and she was still getting the physical response and the physical impacts of that famine in her body like physically mm. like she couldn't she couldn't digest or hold in any of her food properly and she just had like all this like gut trouble right and then wow. she worked on like the trauma from like an ancestral healing standpoint and that's what finally got mm. her able to digest her food Whoa. Right? So what's ever happening, you know, mentally is is affecting you biologically. And also, like, the root of her problem was coming from ancestral trauma, which is insane because we don't realize that we're taking it on because we right? think that whatever is just happening directly in front of us or in our lives is, but it's also happening in our lives and it is somewhat happening directly, which is why we're affected by it. Um, yes. But it was, it was something yeah. about how the environmental factors can shape your DNA and then you can mm-hmm. pass that along. So you can actually change. Okay. Maybe don't, don't take this as like a scientific, like no, word yeah, for yeah, word, for but sure. you can change yeah. your DNA based on your environmental factors. Cause you kind of change the expression mm-hmm. of it. So like your DNA code that you've been given by like your parents and your ancestors mm-hmm. is kind of just a blueprint. And then you really make like you make your own fortune from that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. But so the environmental factors, factors that influenced your ancestors will then influence you as well. Wow. Crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. Mm -hmm. What's the name of this book? Well, the book itself is actually called sound medicine. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's all about sound medicine, but it was talking about how you can heal this type of trauma through sound medicine. And I think it's absolutely fascinating. It's blending in quantum physics and ancient mm. Indian Ayurvedic mm. medicine. Like it's, it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, I have so many books and I feel like I, I will add that. I feel like it not guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. Give it but a try. Powerful to like reference that and be able to just like, Oh, once you read that. that That entire Mm -hmm. book was moments of and I'm only halfway through it but that entire book is moments of oh my gosh yes 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 and yeah and because I'd already I'd learned a lot of these principles before when I'd done my yoga teacher training but Mm. I hadn't thought of them in the way that the author is presenting them Mm. her ancestry is Indian and she grew up in India and then moved to America or sorry the U.S. and then moved back to India later when she like reconnected with that side of herself, but she became a neurosurgeon Mm -hmm. in the U S in between. So she has this like really amazing blend of, yeah, like ancient Ayurvedic uh, science and meditation and all of that Mm -hmm. blended in with neuroscience. 
Wow. From, yeah. So she's, and she's like offering up the like collision in between them. And it's just, she scientifically explained, for example, she scientifically explained how everyone is connected on like a metaphysical le- level wow. with, with like physics. Yes. Whoa. You know, cause there's always like that. Oh yeah. We're all connected and we're all, you know, and, <laughs> and on your good days, you believe it. And on your bad days, you just can't, or at least that's me. Mm. I don't know about you, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like a fluffy way of saying it. And then yeah. whenever you're going through the experience yourself, you're just like, mm, don't know if I resonate with that right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but if you can explain you- it to me from a scientific standpoint, I'm like, oh, I'm there. I'm, I, yep. Mm-hmm. What? Okay. Now I got to read it. Now I got to read it. Yep. <laughs> I think you'll love it. Like, yes. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I want to jump back to uh, the mention of the letters from earlier. I want to jump back mm-hmm. to talking about that project for you. So, yeah, it's you're you're writing anonymous letters to everybody and anybody who needs a little extra love in their life, right? Or, or mm-hmm. talk to me about it. Yeah. So the project's called Divine Mail, and so healing the divide through connection and through cultivating inspiration uh, through letters sent to people's homes. And it originally started with me having a coffee with a friend. And this friend of mine told me that they were using a typewriter at home and that they, it came up because I journal. And so I was just mentioning that I've been doing a lot of journaling at this time, and they're saying that they journal, but on their typewriter, and then they propose that I should go and and get one, and it's very satisfying. There's that click, 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 click sound that happens, and uh, it fascinated me, and I was like, yeah, I want to try a new way of journaling, so I bought one a week later and brought it home, and then was just typing to myself, journaling, and then found that I had this compelling feeling to write to other people and I was meeting with a friend that day and I just decided to write them a letter to give to them in our hangout and so that's what I did and then an idea popped to me of why don't I write this all to my friends you know to the people around me that I love and who I feel will love these messages and find some inspiration in them and so I started to collect all these names and all these people and write to them and saw this as an opportunity of when we have something to offer to the world that helps people, then the world will always be open to that. And I found that if one, two, three, four people enjoy these letters, I'm sure out of the 7 billion or 8 billion, it's growing, <laughs> that more people will, will find it imprinting or profound or helpful in some way. So yeah, I find that I just love writing and I feel like it's time that my writing doesn't doesn't just stay with myself. It is now time to share with other people. And there's of course those private letters I do write to myself, but there's also that want to share and it's just happened naturally and it it just felt right. And I think that's been a lot of my life is just doing what feels right and going by intuition and trusting my truth. And it's always found 
its way to bringing in synchronicity and bringing in opportunities. And yeah, I find that this is something that fills my heart, gives me more joy in in writing, you know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wow. the divine male. And so writing the divine male. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I've, I've everything about that whole story just put a giant smile on my face. I'm sitting Aww. here just smiling at you because oh, it's just Aww. so pure. So like <laughs> you and I do I do want to say too, you're saying that uh, that if you can do something that puts more joy into the world that that helps the world out, the perspective has been shared with me recently that it's almost your obligation. Mm. Right. That if, if you have something that you can share, that's, that's going to help somebody else. It's your obligation to put Mm, it out there. That's so interesting. You said that last night I was talking to someone and they said, our pure being in this world is to be of service. And so that connects to why we do the inner work is simply to be of service. And yeah, that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. I've been, I've also been told that, your your only job in this world is to heal yourself and to do that work mm-hmm. yeah because through doing that you're already creating that change that you want to see through embodiment because like we said with our parents whatever decisions that they make and we've witnessed at a young age has really made a profound impact on our programming whether that be i don't want to use the word good or bad but good or bad and we can determine, you know, whether or not we want to tweak it and not tweak it. But yeah, definitely embodiment. And like, that's where when we do our own healing, it's really powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Conversations are just like, mm, you know. mm, so good for the soul. You can feel so it. So good for the soul. Yeah. 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 This, this podcast is good for the soul for sure (laughs) I hope so I hope so even even in the moments where well I mean it's it's that's one of the pieces of advice that I was given in terms Mm. of the podcast was like if you feel like you can help somebody by saying it or by doing it then it's your obligation to do it and that kind of helps Mm. on the days where I feel a little less certain right where you feel like you want to step back and it gives you that no you have to yeah yeah it gives you that accountability from almost like the universe <laughs> mm-hmm. right uh, yeah I'm, I'm curious uh you probably have been asked this in another interview but what sparked the idea of this podcast or why you want to have these conversations is there any event in your life or any thing that you're just very very passionate about no mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a good question Sometimes I feel like I should have one of those stories that people tell about Mm. some major life event that changed everything or this one incident that changed everything. But really, it's just it's always been a part of me, this Mm. kind of. I don't want to say confidence, but it's it's weird because I have imposter syndrome when it comes to all of the work that I do, like my mm. my profession and like my schoolwork and everything that mm. the, everything that I produce and make for some reason, I have mm. imposter syndrome. Mm. But when it comes to myself, I've always had this very intense, deep love for myself mm. and for being who I am and what I am. And that's been and it there. Radiates. It honestly radiates, which I love is the name of your pod- 
podcast. It, it really does radiate. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. I just, it's, it's just been part of my life. It's been, it was there when I was a teenager. And, mm-hmm. and so like, I've just slowly kind of come into, I, I want to try to understand where other people's self-love comes from and, mm. and what tools they've used and, mm. and how they see themselves. And because it's, it's the foundation of all love is the love that you give yourself. Right. And mm. so when it comes down to it, I mean, I think the podcast is just about love mm. and, yeah. and so, yeah, I, I realized in terms of starting the podcast, I've been searching for something that I could really like pour my heart into for a little while. Mm. And it just, it kind of like slowly came together piece by piece. And, and one day I just I thought of podcasting and I it kind of checked every single box that I had in terms of what I wanted to be able to do with both wow. my creative ideas and how I could maybe develop that and weave it into my life and the kind of life I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it was one part of my like multifaceted personality that it wasn't actually connecting with. I wasn't doing anything mm-hmm. for it. Right. My environmentalism, mm-hmm. I, I try to, you know, bring that into my professional or professional work. Well, my day job, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. as an engineer and I, you know, I, I live my adventure life and I, and I live by all these different ways that I absolutely, that, mm-hmm. that I, that I love to take in. And then there was, yeah, this one part that somebody asked me about my brand and that was one part that I just wasn't living fully. Mm, it's the, what I hear is the part where you create. Yes. Mm. That was also missing is I, I didn't have anything. I wanted something big to work on that because my job mm. wasn't satisfying me. And, and yeah, this oh, kind gosh. of popped out. Wow. I am honestly very inspired. <laughs> wow. I love that you recognize that. Wow. I've been, I've been searching for a long time. It feels like when, and when Mm. this finally set in, I just relaxed, like my whole body just, Mm -hmm. I I just realized that this is exactly what I need to do. Mm. Wow. And I'm very grateful to be having this session with you. It's already making an impact on my life and just keep doing it. Yeah. Keep going, keep doing it. Thank yeah. you. And you too, with your letters. Aww, thank it's, you. It's so <laughs> wonderful. Cause yeah, you're right. Like we don't send each other mail anymore. Um, mm. Also for anybody listening, Livin's got a Patreon that you can join and you can get this mail for yourself <laughs> and we'll share that info in uh, the show notes, but it's yeah, it's it's really wonderful seeing you just spreading that love, and um, you're an incredible writer. It's really it's, it's really wonderful to read your prose every day. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Also, imposter syndrome is like so much relatable. You know, it's part of the process. It's also like like that because no one really talks about it, but everyone goes through it in their own way. You know. Yeah, I've I've recently so I took kind of this course related to podcasting uh it just kind of popped up and through that i also really that's when i really decided to to go for it and start the podcast and one of the things they talk about with imposter syndrome is that it's very ego based mm. and i find that that really helps thinking of it as your ego like on steroids <laughs> that it's shouting at you and that it's it's all about you and that 
that's not what anything's about. You're trying to serve, you're trying to give stuff to other people. So yeah, that imposter syndrome, like that's just, that's the ego going crazy. Right. Wow. And when you recognize that, you're like, okay, that's not the place I want to be in. I want to be coming into this with loving awareness and with a sense of why I'm doing it, which is being of service. And so being hard on yourself and this goes back to self-love, you know, beating yourself down for having imposter syndrome is not going to help you be of greater service with what it is that you're doing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's almost yeah. like a very selfish thing because yeah. you're letting your ego take the wheel and protect. I mean, your ego's there to try to protect yourself, right. Yeah. To try to, it's, it's saying, no, 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 that's scary. That's right. Mm. But it's, it's ultimately kind of selfish. Yeah. And so this brings me to like what it is you're trying to seek out in this, in these conversations is, is tips and ways that people bring self-love in and the way that I deal with imposter syndrome when it comes up or when I beat myself down on anything is, is compassion. I find that that's, it's simple and it's obvious, but it really does work you know when you really tell yourself I don't need to be perfect I don't need to be anything I'm already enough to do this and to start this and also trusting in that like genuinely trusting in that is Mm -hmm. another thing too you know yeah think about like what you would tell a friend too right that you're your own best friend so what would you Mm -hmm. tell your friends show that same compassion Mm-hmm. Right. What would you tell yourself if you're talking to yourself as like a friend when you find that you're in the space of, oh, I'm an imposter? What would you tell yourself treating yourself like a friend? Okay. I would, I would say I, I have to set the scene in my head. I have to be like, okay, my mm-hmm. friend came to me because there's, I, what I tell myself is, you know, okay. So if, if a friend came to me and said, I'm an imposter, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I would say that everyone starts out as somebody who's never done this before. Yes. Everyone starts out at ground zero and there is nothing special about anyone. And in that way, Mm. there's something special about everyone, right? That everyone's Mm -hmm. unique and no, but nobody's got this special sauce. Nobody who you see creating has Mm -hmm. this special, like they're all special, right? Which means that none of us are special, right? And so, (laughs) and so like how terrible would it be if Lady Gaga never got up on stage and never inspired you the way she does? I love Lady Gaga. Right? right? So what's the difference between you, you know, and Lady Gaga? Lady Gaga, yeah, is her... She started earlier. Yeah, she started earlier, but she yeah. started. There she started. Started. That's the word. She started. And mm-hmm. how did she start? She believed in herself. And she kept going. And she kept going. I'm sure Lady Gaga went through imposter syndrome herself. And I'm sure she didn't start. Right. And I'm sure she didn't start (laughs) knowing how to do this, but she followed her intuition. Mm -hmm. Right. There's, there's that intuition piece in there too. You mentioned you Mm -hmm. like really follow it. How do you like recognize intuition versus anxiety? Okay. Oof. Whoa. That question. I'll just, I'll answer with how do I recognize my intuition versus anxiety? Okay. I'll start with when that comes in, the feeling of being nervous about something or fearful of something. 
I ask myself, am I doing this or making a decision out of being scared of something I know I am capable of? Or am I doing this because I'm scared of stepping out? Or hmm, I think I'll leave it at that. Is Am I scared of doing something out of fear? Yeah. And that's Is- how I recognize whether it's my intuition or anxiety. Yeah. No, I like that. Mm -hmm. Because if you're coming from a place of fear, it's probably anxiety or yeah, anxiety based because Mm -hmm. your intuition comes from like that deeper place within that you can only really access when you're calm. Mm -hmm. When you're present. Yes. That's a better way to put it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then when you're in fear, you're constantly worried and you're in this, you're not present with yourself. You're either in the future or you're in the past. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what happens mentally. Um, But as you know, I've been dancing a lot, like going back into it. And it just happened uh, like one of those things that happened naturally. And I found myself as I listened more to my body, I started to want to move and I just couldn't help it. And when we cannot find the words or the answers to certain things, I personally have found that the body has the answers and it's how we find that is tapping into how it feels. So for example, if you're experiencing anxiety, how does that feel and where does it happen in your body? And when you're tapping into your intuition, but you're scared of what taking action upon it, how does that feel? How does that feel in your body? And there's a, for me has been a difference in where it's felt in my body and also how it feels And so being aware of that has been very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty powerful. Cause yeah, all your emotions manifest physically in your body. Mm, If you're like in tune enough to really listen to where that is. Mm, Definitely. Mm -hmm. Been a huge lesson is listen to your body. I've, I've uh, been in situations where my body has said everything right from the start but I didn't trust it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really taught me to listen to that. Listen to how it feels. What is it telling you? Yeah. I've, I recently heard that you're, and it makes complete sense once you think back on your experiences, but it didn't quite click for me that your body experiences emotions first before your mm-hmm. mind comprehends them, your body experiences them. Mm. Right. Like even Mm. you start crying and you don't know why yet. And it takes you sometimes a couple of minutes, sometimes a couple hours. And with something Mm. that you've never experienced, right? Like Mm. I I went through something pretty scary a couple of weeks ago. Well, it was, it was a huge growth moment and my body felt it first. And to the point where it took a couple of days for me to catch up in my mind and to really unpack Mm. and go, oh, that's what happened. That's where that pain came from. And then I had to start to unpack it from there. Oof. Wow. That must have been hard to encounter at first. (laughs) But it was, it was kind of beautiful too, because it was just such raw emotion. Like, even though I was, I was screaming, I was crying, but there was just, I know this sounds a little bit like, and I'm not trying to be like, it just, it was almost beautiful thinking about it in retrospect, because it was just such pure emotion. And it was just that, it's just being alive, right? 
And yeah. it was grief, but the grief came from a place of love, right? Because to me, they're kind of mirrors that when you experience great love, you also can experience great grief if that love mm-hmm. is somehow affected or taken away from you, right? Like if, if something happens with that love, that mirror happens. So to love greatly means you also have to be willing to grieve greatly, right? Yeah. And Definitely. yeah, so it was that it was that immediate sense of grief coming from a place that I couldn't recognize because I'd never felt that before. I'd never been in this situation, experienced this thing. And so that, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it was, yeah, thinking back, it was kind of beautiful, even though it's a little obviously painful. Wow. Wow. That was just absolutely powerful. But also I I had a conversation yesterday around this exact thing. And they said that I am so grateful to be going through pain because it helps me to feel love at a greater level. And that's what I'm taking away from what you said is that connection between the two. And that's why love that raw emotion, love whatever it is you're going through and embrace it. And that's, we genuinely do love feelings of grief and we do love anger, pain, all of that. It's just a matter of that we have been told that it's uncomfortable and that we shouldn't feel it. And so recognizing it's more discomfort and seeing that we actually do love that feeling that's actually happening for us, it it's like, wow, which is what you went through. You're like this, wow. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's feeling joy about emotions, right? It doesn't have to be the emotion of joy. It's just feeling joy that you're experiencing emotion because what's more human than that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for bringing it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I, I kind of look at it like a, like a wave, and that, like, if, if you wanted to, you can stay kind of at like a very shallow wave, you know, like your peaks and valleys are going to be very, like, they're not going to be too different from one another, but the thing is that they have to be equal and opposite. So if you're going to experience great joys and great triumphs, you're also, I think, going to have to experience great dips. And I think that they're always going to be reciprocal to one another. They're always going to be equal and opposite. And I don't know. I don't really have a theory as to why that is, but that's what I've seen in life. Mm, Wow. Now that's something to take with me and observe when I do experience great love and great grief is like the equivalence between that. Yeah, I think because I think some people are potentially afraid of either sides of those extremes, right? And so people Mm. sometimes tend to stay in that safe zone in the middle. So if they don't Mm. feel intense love, they'll never feel intense grief. Mm. And if, because you have to be strong enough and willing to experience those dips to be Mm. able to then experience those highs. Mm. You have to be strong enough. You have to be resilient in a sense. Yes. In facing that. Brave, sorry, is what what comes to mind. Brave, there you go. Yeah. Mm. Does take bravery. Courage to be like, yes, I will experience this, experience this, even if I'm uncertain about where it will take me or how I will be affected by it. It's like surrendering, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Surrender to that roller coaster, baby. It's coming either way. (laughs) Yeah. Surrender, but with groundedness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because also, there, I see the other 
side of it. <laughs> yes. You know? mm-hmm. Yes. That then you can just, right. Like the difference between trying to, or not trying to, but manifesting and having goals and having like a, like a purposeful kind of flow versus just mm-hmm. flowing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned your dancing, your, mm-hmm. your static dance that you've been sharing and you've kind of found that way back to movement what is that? What have you been noticing in your life has been changing because of that, you know, bringing mm. movement back in? Mm. Confidence. Confidence and embracing what I truly am in any moment. And how that connects is when I'm dancing, I'm very present with my body and I'm very confident in how I move. And I notice this with other dancers too. I'd like to also give a shout out to. Two people who had very much inspired me or opened the doors to dance again. And it was just simply through watching them. And their names are Marco Accessar and also Joshua Oncall. And they, at the same time, they don't know each other, but they both happened to start inviting me to their dance events. Sync like around the same time, which was September. And I just started to go and see and witness the confidence that they have in their body when they move and how present they are it's like i don't think you can there could be an earthquake (laughs) and they'll be taken away from their dance they're so intertwined into it and uh, now i see how that feels and now i can say that i experienced that myself is confidence and also going back to what we were talking about listening to our body I think that's been a huge thing so yeah yeah that's been a few things that's come up for me I'm still on the journey I think there's still a little more to uncover Uh, but now I'm working or noticing my voice and how I'm struggling a little bit with that I'm struggling to exercise not to be silent and so that's where my journey is right now and yeah in touch with your body and moving on to your voice Mm -hmm. I love it I love that the first word out of your mouth was just confidence that's what has brought me and I love that because that's yeah Mm -hmm. yeah oh I mean I just it's that's completely true right it just it links you and like dancing is just so primal right Mm -hmm. there there must be a reason why we've been doing it for thousands upon thousands of years yeah right and just letting your body move exactly the way it's asking to be moved there's Mm -hmm. like there's that almost sense of like immediate gratification too that it's like you wanted Mm. to move this way and your body goes yes and you wanted to move this way and your body goes yes again right and it's just like this Mm. constant approval from all your senses Mm -hmm. yes yeah Whenever I like look through dance videos, I always find that I feel drawn towards people who you see the rawness, the raw emotion and the like the true love for what they're doing in that very moment, you know. I don't find myself being drawn towards choreographed dances. I find myself very drawn towards people who free flow their dance moves and yeah, I just recognize that right now, but I see I see why now. Yeah. There's an honesty to it. Honesty right? to it, yes. Yeah. yeah. You're being very honest in their self-expression and their in their bodies, giving their bodies exactly what they need. Mm-hmm. hmm 100%. <laughs> so you mentioned at yeah. the very beginning of our chat 
like even before we introduced you, you mentioned that over the past two years, so I'm, I'm assuming that two-year block is like COVID times yes, as we're coming yes. up on two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned that kind of your, you've had this journey towards, I'm not actually sure what you're, you've journeyed towards, but you've had a journey in <laughs> sexual exploration, I believe. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Do you want to um, open up about that? For sure. Yeah, or are you so willing to open up about that? I am. Yeah. So 27, 20, 2016, 2017, 2018, around then is when I ever first had a relationship. And uh, that brought out a lot of things about me that I didn't know about, um, a lot of insecurities, a lot of things I need to work on, but also showed me a lot about like what I deserve and what love is for me. And uh, it was a really eye-opening experience. And when that had ended, it really brought me into this mode of change and seeking out environments and seeking out self-love. And so I went on this journey for like two years and it was a very solo journey. Like I didn't open myself up to any dating. I didn't try to find anything romantic because I knew that I needed to focus on myself. And so it got to the end of 2019 when I realized that it's also very important to be intimate with others. And obviously I had already experienced how much it can show you when I had my first ever relationship. And so when I had decided that I said, okay, yes, yes is the word that I said. Yes, I'm going to be open. Yes, I'm going to see what this has to offer and I'm going to put myself out there. And so I, the first thing I resorted to, which I was very skeptical about in the past, but you know, again, I said, yes, I said, I'm going to be open, was going to online dating and exploring that. And I found that to be actually fascinating. It was like, okay, yeah. Um, So then I went on dates and then eventually I had met someone who didn't have the healthiest relationship with. Plus, I didn't have the healthiest relationship with myself in that connection. And that was one of the profound experiences that helped me realize that I, that there's work to be done in embracing my sexuality and also seeing what it is that, like what sort of people I'm attracting and why I'm attracting them. So like all these questions around that came up and so after that I still continued I knew that like after that had ended I still continued to like date and see that that should not stop me from continuing to explore and do what I set out to do was put which is put myself out there and then I noticed just a repetition of the same people I was attracting and realizing this realization came to me last week which was the relationships I was attracting was a reflection of my parents. I didn't, I thought it was like my relationship with myself because I was uh, at a young age, I learned to suppress my feelings and I became very much in my avoidant side. And uh, I thought that that because I was very avoidant that I was attracting avoidant people. But I recognize that what it was is instead 
uh, more specifically, my parents had a toxic relationship where my mom was more controlling and my dad was more of the punching bag, like taking it in and taking in the impact and sort of enabling the um, the actions and and her way of, yeah, just communicating with him. And he'd always, I remember say these words of like, she's right, I deserve this. She's right, I deserve this. Despite like there being very, very dark moments between them and just seeing like, how can you take that? Is, is what always came into my mind. It's like, how can you accept that? How can you say that you deserve that? I don't think anyone who yeah, goes through something like that should take that in and accept it. And so it taught me, or what I just took on was a, a really beautiful gift of seeing the best in people all the time. But also I see how when I was attracting all these avoidant people in the past few years, I was seeing the best in them and kept pushing for that, pushing for that and empathizing with it. And so that taught me a lot about, you know, the relationship side of things in my life. And yeah, it's really powerful when we can identify something, you know, that I, I feel like I was searching for answers and I finally just like let go and then naturally um, within the past few weeks, I, I just, it came to me. I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. There's, mm. there's so many good lessons in there. And I love hearing how like you're really looking at everything. So almost from like a third party basis of like, you're really thinking about what you're going through and mm. yeah, the, the whole, like people who have a lot of empathy for others who always tend to see the best, I find that we can really fall into that trap of projecting someone's best self. And the words I'm looking for are that, that yeah, there's there's a projection of the person and you're looking at who you want them to be, who you believe they can be, who like you're seeing in your head this like great version because you can see how these things could maybe be like fixed and healed with them and then they could become this thing. But if there's one huge lesson I've taken away from that area, it's that when somebody tells you who they are, believe them and believe them the first time. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that came up is like, we become so accepting of what has been done wrong to us, especially when we've learned to love our abuser. That's a strong word, but I'm not, again, I'm exercising my voice and I'm not going to be silent. I'm also going to just acknowledge, like when you learn to accept someone who's done you wrong, you become so deeply ingrained to not even see how you're doing that in small ways, you know, and you don't mm -hmm. see anything wrong in it too. That's the thing, you know? Yes. And excusing yeah. behaviors becomes a very easy pattern to fall into. Yes. Yeah. And admitting that it was a type of abuse takes a whole special kind of bravery, right? No matter what mm -hmm. type of abuse it was, if it was emotional or physical or like any, anything on the spectrum of abuse, like just being able to call it that 
takes so much of the pressure off, but also is really scary to do because then you go through like the cycle of shame of that this abuse happened to you and how did you let it happen to you? And yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So nah, that's why make sure you have compassion in life. Make sure you do that inner work towards self-love, you know, to heal yourself from everyone. Yeah. Everyone goes through their own traumas. And I think that it's, it's just important to do whatever feels right for you. But for me, compassion has been a big thing. Absolutely. And I'm so excited that you're embarking on this journey of self-discovery through like the lens of relationships. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so, so happy to hear that after a relationship, you went, okay, I need to be by myself. I need to unpack this. <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. What I love to hear. Oh, uh, yeah. Always a work in progress. Always. Always growth, always all the things. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much again. Really appreciate this conversation and just uh, holding space for whatever came up. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for your time and for oh, all your right. wise words and for your gentle soul. Oh, yes. My pure gentle soul. <laughs> really is, though. Like, I got a spicy side too, wink, wink. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I definitely know that. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate it. And with that, we come to the end of this episode of Reclaim Your Radiance. Thank you so much for joining this week. I hope you enjoyed your time with us and came away with something valuable. If you want more and simply cannot wait until next week, come join us online. We have a couple of really exciting communities that are being built. First, we have a Facebook community with the name Reclaim Your Radiance, where we talk about all sorts of topics related to the podcast and tons that aren't. It's a community of like-minded souls who want to dive deeper into these things and keep the conversation flowing. Secondly, you can sign up for our mailing list to receive occasional bonus content. The current bonus being offered is a daily self-love checklist or a quick guide to having more mindful and connected sexual experiences. And that can, of course, be with yourself or with others. You do you. And you can also get both, downloadable and printable and ready to be of service to you in your life. And lastly, coming soon to a computer near you is our Patreon. Come along and join us for extra content, regular community meetups, fun swag, one-on-one time with yours truly, and so much more. Stay tuned for that. Head on over to the episode notes and the show description to find those links, and I hope to see you online soon. All right, everyone. Until next week, stay radiant. Stay radiant.